Yo, this is Zach from the Nixons, and you are listening to House of Noise. Welcome to House of Noise. How's everybody doing today? I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Again, uh, we've gone over this before. I'm talking to the listeners, oh, not you. Oh, God, you're right. I hope you listeners are doing swell. Forget about how I'm doing. It doesn't matter. Huh? You know what? How are you doing, Jenna? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? I've been better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm doing all right. Good, good. I'm glad. I am doing especially well after this interview that we just did. I, I know. We had, talked to Zach from the Nixons. Yeah, we had a great time talking to Zach. We did. We went over uh, all kinds of stuff like we normally do, obviously, because that's how we do. How we do what we do. How we do what we do. So uh, we talked to him about his writing career, which he's currently doing right now. And he's had the opportunity to talk to many, or talk to, he's had the opportunity of writing with lots and lots of artists, including like Carrie Underwood, Lizzie from Hailstorm. Skillet. He's had songs that he's written that uh, Blake Sheldon's had, Blake Blake Sheldon. Sheldon has played. He's had Tim McGraw, just uh, a wide range. Definitely. Yeah, country. I mean, it, it, I don't think the genre really matters, and he said it didn't matter to him. So, um, I found the whole thing super interesting, though. Because me too. Me too. basically the label tells the artist, you need to go down with and write with this person. And, you know, if it was me, I would be a little offended. Like, oh, I can't write my own stuff. But he even explained it. He's like, you know, it, in a way, they kind of, they don't have to, but, mm-hmm. you know, they need to. Right. And, you know, and after hearing him talk about it and thinking about it, you know, it does make sense. It's that, like I said in the interview, it's that bouncing the ideas off of each other. And mm-hmm. really it. It helps them and it helps him, you know, in in a in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I agree. I um, it's it's you know it's been a very it was a very enlightening conversation. Um, he also talked about his uh, new their new uh, release, which you can pre-order right now, um, Sonic Boom, and it has Crutch and Favorite Lies and three new uh, tracks on that as well. So if you haven't taken a listen. Uh, you should check it out and definitely you, know what, the other you th- should get in there and pre-order it. The other thing I found interesting was uh, the whole process of uh, re- redoing their song, like Sister. Sister, mm-hmm. So the label owns it. He even tried calling them up and saying, hey, I want my song back. And they basically he said they, they laughed at him. But, you know, after seven years or whatever time frame, they, you are allowed as an artist to re re uh record your music and it belongs to you so you know he was very uh informative and enlightening in a lot of different subjects so i i love talking to him so he does go into you know his kind of his history how he ended up playing guitar and, singing and yeah singing um and then you know just kind of a little background on the nixons and things that happened to him got a couple of funny stories yeah but i uh i really think people should take a listen to the rest of it, I, I don't want, want to give I, all the I interview wanted to away. Just explain the whole thing right now, no, so they didn't have no. to listen. What? Isn't that what this is for? No, they oh. need to listen. 
because right. it's an interesting interview. You just, you don't know unless you listen. We hope everybody else is enjoying it too. As always, you can comment. You can leave us a, a message on Anchor, which is in the description. You can find us on Facebook, you know, like House that of page, noise. follow yep. us on all of our uh, different podcast platforms or whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on give us a follow or a like or whatever you got to do you know we're talking about doing a youtube channel so if that whenever that gets up and running we'll start promoting that too yeah but leave us messages and let us know what you think of the show i mean we we really would like the feedback and to hear how everybody else is doing and how that you know what we can do to improve our show or maybe you know artists that you would like to uh yeah hear us uh try and reach out to the interview so I mean, we got our pr people that we go through but if if you got somebody that you want to hear we can try reaching out to them and you know trying to get them on and exactly there's a lot of cases where it's not that hard for us to get in contact with certain people yep so on that note we hope everybody enjoys this interview with zach of the nixons okay all right very enjoy- joyfully and i hope you smile and Know that you're worth it. Maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) All right. Have a good night, everybody, and enjoy the episode. All right. Bye. Hello. God, I'm so sorry, you guys. I, I, this, this. So, in the middle of this whole w- crazy world we're living in, uh-huh. I get, I get myself into. This will make me sound very not rock and roll, but into like um, remulching my front like yard. <laughs> and so I was just covered in dirt and everything. And Shauna said, "Hey, you're supposed to call in." So my apologies. I'm really sorry. It's not because I wish I could say it was because I was like, you know, like on drugs and was like, you know, <laughs> so I'm so irresponsible. No, it's all good. It's all good. I know this is, um, you know, we're, it's the pandemic and we're all like stuck kind of like homebound. So we're all trying to find, find things to do and, and tackling those home projects. So, so where are you guys? We are in Michigan. We're actually in Novi, which is, um, about 45 minutes outside of Detroit. Okay. Right on. Yeah. So I know you're in Nashville. I am in Nashville, which I love that city. Love Nashville. I got a cousin that lives down there. Yeah, we're from we're from Oklahoma, yeah. origi- you know, originally. Yeah. But we're um, I moved here ten years ago. My my kind of my day job is is a songwriter. I don't know how much Shauna told you or what what you guys know, but um, and I actually have done my time in Detroit with um, a fellow named Matt Schaefer, also known as Uncle Cracker. Oh, really? Right. Awesome. Yeah, we didn't is- even know that. Yeah, that well, is very cool. We do do our research, so we, we know do. we know a little bit about a little bit. So we got no- right on. Enough to get the ball rolling anyway. Yeah, I have to say, um, back in the day when you guys put out um, Sister, I was in college and, you know, I can remember like discussing, um, a lot of people discussing the meaning of the song. You know, I know it was actually about your sister and how she had gone away to college. She'd actually, she'd actually gone away to Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's, uh, she, she went out to try to make movies, and she actually did. She ended up being a producer on films out oh, there. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. We get all kinds of you know stories. Yeah. Uh, about what how what the song means to people, and you know, I, I I've I've told you know the story a million times of mm-hmm. people coming up to me saying, 
did your sister die from right. heroin or did she wish what? oh one time a guy thought there was about a stripper that was my sister so <laughs> there's been there have been there have been so many things but again i mean this is me being i guess boring but nah my no, sis just yeah. moved away from oklahoma and i wrote a song saying that i missed her yeah which is i just love that song and 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 um you know the message of that and um and i love song of the year and so I was happy. You. You're welcome. I was happy to see you guys back. And uh, we actually got a chance to talk to John. Um, yeah, not to make yeah. you sound worse, but it was the last time you were supposed to call us and did it. <laughs> but, it, you know, it all worked all out. Good. We got yeah, to talk to we John. Actually got we to talk we're to still John getting to talk too. to you now. We know, we know that you're busy and everything, so it's yeah. not, no, no, not no, like no. it's a big <laughs> deal. It's not even that. And I hate it when people are like, I'm so busy. But I mean, I'm, I'm, busy. I'm as busy as everyone, but I just right. literally was was you know had a shovel in my hand and Shauna said you need to call this number right now so anyways yeah. so here I am I'm glad <laughs> you got to talk to jo- but hey I'm glad you got to talk to John and now you get me yeah. so you get me I'm, I'm happy double whammy. yeah I'm happy I uh cool, cool, cool. yeah I didn't know that John played for Seether I have to I have to uh, admit. admit that yeah um and I love Seether so yeah it's cool it's, it's funny John and I talked to you when we were on the last little run together with mm-hmm. Sponge at the end of the year it was like yeah. uh December. He made a, right? he, he, yeah. made a, a, he made a funny comment, an interesting comment that he's now been in Seether longer than he had been in the Nixons. So, <laughs> you know, so he, I mean, he, you know, I'll always think of him as my drummer. You know, yeah. Right. Nixons, oh yeah, for sure. For sure. He's definitely man. that bench. I'm so, I'm such a fan of Seether just musically, but also just their, their work ethic and mm-hmm. their, what they're all about. I mean, they just work, they just yeah. work their butts off. And, and I, I love that kind of a band. Well, wasn't Jesse, didn't he have a, a project too? Yeah, so Jesse and Ricky actually at the end of uh, at the end of the Nixons, mm-hmm. I went and did a couple solo records. Yeah, you records. did some they, solo records. Yeah, they, and they went and did a project called Hover, yeah. H-U-V-E-R, that was really actually pretty cool. Um, I liked them a lot, and I mean, they, they, they did some great things. And then, yeah, but uh, he's, Jesse's played in a bunch of bands back then, um, you know, based in Oklahoma. He's produced some bands. So he, he he sort of went a different direction. He was an entrepreneur, started some businesses, but he he's always done music, um, yeah. you know. And and then Ricky, to be honest with you, he's kind of always not always, but he's he he's definitely had music, you know, as a touchstone. And since we reunited, even yeah. more so, he go he goes to a bunch of rock shows, way more than us. Well, not right now, but <laughs> right, um, right, <laughs> he, he, he was. He's watching a whole bunch yeah. of them right now. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um. I see you guys are going to do a live stream um, event on the 22nd here, which is Is that going to actually, ha- are people actually going to be able to show up to it too? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had mixed feelings about it um, because, you know, you don't want to be that, that, that thing that people point to and say, wait, you're being irresponsible. What, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Right. Um, so it started as, do you want to do a live stream from Lava Cantina, this place in, in, just outside of Dallas that we had actually played last year. Mm. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing. So there's this production company that's, they're grounded. They do live streaming for like big festivals. Oh, okay. And they're, they're not able to do anything. So they basically went to this venue, which is a fabulous venue in, in Dallas, and said, you know, you have this LED screen behind the stage. You've got this light, you know, great production. Let us film you, you know, like I think multiple camera, you know, shoot, and we'll live stream it. Well, then 
Texas opened up um, mm. to a 25% capacity for oh, okay. all restaurants and venues. So to answer your question, it's going to be the weirdest crowd we've ever played for <laughs> because because here's what they sold they or, or are they selling and I think it's close to sold out just in case anyone's like tuning in in the yeah. Dallas area and wants to go. But um, there's like on the floor there are eight yards. I think of them as sort of pods, mm. and they're separated by like ten feet and 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 temporary walls. Mm-hmm. And um and you then in the balcony there's another ten sort of pods, and then the this is the weirdest one for me, but um they're selling they're doing an, another screen in the parking lot, a massive you know as big as a drive-in movie oh, wow. theater screen, uh and you can get in your sit in your car and um tune to a station and watch and listen to us which wow. I, I i told the owner i was like that doesn't make sense like so who's gonna drive to this venue and then sit in a parking lot and watch a band that's playing on the other side of the wall like right. just out of, well well the thing is that he 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 did this with another band a kind of a texas country band mm. and the parking lot was the first thing that sold out i think people kind of just want to go do something yeah and so and so you know the, for the people that don't want to spend the money to to be inside the venue or aren't comfortable being inside the venue there's options and it's kind of cool for you guys being in michigan obviously not not able to right go yeah. watch this from your car but but the cool thing for me is that it's yeah it's may 22nd at 9 30 central time and it's it's live streamed and it's going to be cool i mean I, the thing for me is that i just keep saying to like yeah, I was talked to my my mom and dad yesterday. I was like, I get to play a show. I mean, when this all shut down, we had to cancel gigs. There was a potential tour happening at the end of the year. Mm. I won't say who it was with, but it was with a couple fairly big '90s bands that we were going to do a three band bill. And I won't say who it is because we're it might get reshaped uh, for mm-hmm. 2021. But um, it's a bummer. And so yeah. I'm just excited to get to you know I'm going to travel down to Dallas. They have these all these rules in place. Like we have to show up at a certain time. We can't come into contact with any staff or or fans. We can't sell merchandise on the premises because that would be, Jeez. you know, people trade, you know, changing right. money and the, so it's it's an augmented reality. Huh. That's for damn sure. But again, I get to go sing some rock and roll songs. Yeah. So I, I'm stoked. That is super cool. Yeah, the whole I can nation, only imagine. Yeah, yeah, the whole nation is going to be very strange after all this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think there's going to be a new a new normal for a little while. Until, the thing that cracks yeah. me up is if you if you're going with somebody, you you don't get to stand next to them while you're watching the performance. That's the weirdest yeah, part to yeah. me. <laughs> well, that that's that is going to be the weirdest part because I mean, you know, we've, you know, I'll harken back to the early earliest days of the Nixons when you go play, you know, you know. We, I remember we went and played Memphis, Tennessee for the mm. first time, and we were not big in Memphis. We were from Oklahoma. We thought, mm. let's go, let's go further than, you know, our our home state and our neighboring mm-hmm. states, which is where we started. And I mean, you know, the first time we played, there were like seven people in the room. Oh you know, right. you know, all all rock bands have those stories, and mm-hmm. so that, it's going to be a similar thing. Insofar as there's just going to be a table sitting in the middle of a square. And, you know, a handful of people around it, most of the tables I've noticed from the sales, it's not, you know, there can, it can be, you're supposed to be in the section, in your little section with people that are like, that you are, you live with, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? So it'll be, it'll be families or in in one case, it's um, a a brother, two brothers that are actually for friends of mine that they sprung for a table and they're bringing their wives, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So 
So it's again, it, it's it's an interesting thing, and you know, the you know, it's a little scary too because you don't want to be that event that you know makes the news. You know, like mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. You know, a little outbreak popped up right. after this rock and roll show. <laughs> But um, but at the same time, they seem to be doing things really, really safely and and conscientiously. Yeah, which is good. Which is good. Yeah, it's definitely. awesome. Now I want to get into the songwriting um, aspect. So for songwriting, do you craft songs with a specific artist in mind, or do the artists come to you and say, "Hey, I'd like you to put a song together for me," and this is what I'm thinking? Well the answer to that question is it happens all different ways. Mm, right. Okay. So, so the, when I very first started, I was sort of signed very, very specifically, uh, to a publishing deal where they said more and more rock bands are co-writing mm-hmm. the Nixons incidentally at the very, very end, they made me go do a co-writing session, <laughs> kicking and screaming. And that's why I even, that's why I even learned what it was, you mm. know? And so, you know, the first couple things I did were go fly and, you know, write with, Hoobastank, and then mm, go okay. fly and write with, um, you know, Bowling for Soup were my first cuts. The, you know, then then the Jonas Brothers came to my studio in Tulsa, oh, okay. and, and slowly but surely started writing. Well, then you know when I moved to Nashville, I was lucky enough to get into the room with Carrie Underwood, mm-hmm. um, and so to answer your question, she had specific ideas she wanted to write about. Mm. And then, you know, we're at, we're there to then say, okay, we're songwriters. Let's, we can help you craft this. She's a songwriter too, but she's also an artist. Mm. Right. Um, but then, but then by contrast, I went in with two other dudes. Um, a few years ago, we wrote a silly country song called get some and Blake <laughs> Shelton heard it and yep. cut it. Yep. And he had nothing to do. He had nothing to do with the songwriting, but, but a lot of artists, they just listen the songs and they, you know, Blake actually does write and he's actually a a really good writer, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily write all of his albums. Um, and you know, George Strait, I I don't think ever really wrote at all, you know? So, um, so anyways, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have sort of entered the, the business as a songwriter, right when rock bands were starting to co-write. And I've literally written with Everyone from you know Skillet, yeah. and Hailstorm to Three Doors Down, and and like I said, Carrie Underwood. I actually have a song right now that's uh, doing pretty well. It's in the top twenty by Shinedown that I co-wrote with Brent and another friend, David Hodges. A song called Atlas Falls. All right, um, yeah. So yeah. who's who's your favorite artist that you've gotten to work with then? Um, well, I really did enjoy working with Carrie. Um, I, I worked with also Carrie and Ryan Tedder from mm. one republic and that was a real that was a real sort of master class if you will because those two people are just really at the top of, of of their their game right um ryan tedder is probably the most successful songwriter alive right now well, at least one top top five most successful um and so that that was awesome went to his studio in denver and, and wrote with him um and then you know artist wise I really, I got to tell you, I mean, this is going to sound real like, you know, politician of me, but I've really loved kind of everyone I've worked with. Um, you know, crack, Uncle Cracker, for instance, I mentioned, I, I went and wor- wrote with him in, in um, Detroit mm-hmm. and um, w- with another buddy of mine, Blair Daly, who wrote, co-wrote the song Smile by Uncle oh, Cracker, yeah, which is I his biggest hit. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it was just a blast to go to Detroit. You know, we hold up in a whatever La Quinta Inn and we went and worked with Matt at the studio and wrote a bunch of songs. Um, 
then he came to Nashville right before the quarantine. We wrote another song that's a beautiful sort of mid-tempo kind of lullaby rock, you know, pop song that uh, he just sent me a rough for a few weeks ago. And it's, oh, cool. he, he was, you know, again, I mean, I'm lucky enough to tell you that I've been in the room with those kind of people that there hasn't been a bad one. I mean, I, you know, there have been days where you're, you know, you're not feeling it and right. it, it doesn't go, it doesn't go super great, but that's like every I've jo- been that's lucky. Every job. Yeah. <laughs> that's everything, right? Yeah. yeah, that's everything. You know, you have bad gigs. I mentioned you have gigs that no one shows up for, mm-hmm. but then, you know, there's days where magic strikes and, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, again, I'm thinking of a day I wrote with two amazing writers here in Nashville, one who's in the, the songwriters hall of fame. Mm-hmm. And we wrote a song, not for anybody. And it ended up being cut by Tim McGraw. So, oh, you know, nice. you just, sometimes you just go in and you write a good song. I, I, I can tell you that, yes, back to your original question, Sometimes you do the business of it and you say, hey, Keith Urban's cutting in three weeks. Let's aim for that. Right. But I find it to be, you know, the best way is to just say, let's write the best thing we can today. Oh, right. that's cool. Does, yeah. the, does the genre matter or the, the, when you're writing lyrics, it doesn't really come I, into huge play? I don't think it matters as much these days. I think that if you would have, you know, put, plunked me into to Nashville and say the late eighties, early nineties. Mm, yeah. I don't know that I would have been able to just say, okay, I can write a country song. But when I moved to Nashville 10 years ago, my manager at the time told me, Hey, when you get there, you know, you're a good songwriter. Don't try to then suddenly say, okay, I'm going to write about tailgates and tan lines. You know, Cause that's <laughs> right. not, that that's not what you do. You, right. know, you write songs. And, and I, I like to think I, I, I have a, a knack for lyrics. I get brought in a lot of times for that specifically just for top line that's what it's called lyrics um but but no i don't think the genre matters too awfully much i mean i have not delved into certain genres you know urban and and r&b uh as much but but a great song's a great song i mean that's kind of the the truth of the matter right you you said something earlier is that something that all the labels do or not all the labels but a lot of the major labels do is force people to go you know, pick out songs basically. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say they forced it, you know, because again, with Carrie as as an example, um, I was with her, we wrote and everything that I got cut with her, we co-wrote together with uh, her and another writer. But I remember telling her once, um, I wrote this song with this other, these two other people that we thought would be really good for you, but you, you probably don't want to be pitched a song, right? You want to, you write, you want to be a writer. And she right. was just like, no, I don't care. I just want, you know, if I write it all cool, mm-hmm. if I don't, I, I need hits. I want I, and if it's a great song, she's like, hell, if it's a cover song, I mean, if it's a great song and I'm, I feel compelled to do it, I'll do it. So, you know, I think the, the smart artists are that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really look at it like being forced to go write or be, be forced to go listen to songs. I think mm-hmm. that in the case of the smart ones, you know, like Carrie, for instance, I'm, I'm certain that her management, if her management came across an amazing song, um, you know, she would be, you know, open to listen to it and say, oh my God, mm-hmm. that speaks to me. I'm going to, I'm going to cut, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you are hitting kind of the nail on the head in, in, in terms of the, the world we live in. Yeah. No one ever, no one ever thought to go tell, you know, Led Zeppelin to co-write, yeah, you know, right. but, but, and, but, and, or you too, but it's a different world now. And, you know, uh, you know, most artists, most artists that are active do it, you know? Um, and it's, and, and the, again, when I hear the ones that I, I sort of, I sort of 
point to as being you know, smart and, and, and savvy at their craft and their, their business, they don't care. They're like, yeah, I'll go co-write. Why not? Why mm-hmm. not go see what happens in this collaborative space? And just, you know, um, I heard just a few weeks ago, Ed Sheeran was in Nashville making the rounds right with a few of my, my, um, my colleagues. And he doesn't need to do that. Right. And, you know, th- those first 10 hits Ed Sheeran had, he wrote all by himself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a cool thing to be able to do what I do. And again, yeah, it, it is cool that the, the climate of music is allows for it. Well, we all Definitely. get to the, I mean, right. Being a writer, you hit those blocks, you hit those roadblocks where sometimes you do need those other people to bounce ideas off of and to help you write something. So it does make sense to do it. Uh, it's just a different side of the music industry that we haven't really explored too much when right. talking to different artists. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it is an interesting sort of, you know, um, psychological case study mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, to, to try to get in, you know, someone's head in sometimes an afternoon, you know, just, right. Hey, here's artist, you know, with Lizzie from Hailstorm. Oh, you know, she walked Lizzie. into my studio, she's plopped down, and, you know, her guitar player started to play a riff. I was like, Oh, keep doing that. And then mm-hmm. I just started singing something and Lizzie's like, Oh damn, that's cool. And then we were off to the races. Right. Other day, other days, you know, you get a little ways down the road and you, and you know, the artist says, man, I don't know that, I'm not sure I would say this, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, you're right. It is an interesting thing. It doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Like right. you said, I mean, you, you haven't discussed it with many artists because they probably don't necessarily want to talk about it. But yeah. again, yeah. to me, the smart ones are, are just open to, yeah, let's see, let's see what happens today. Very cool. When we first were talking to um, Shauna, I had heard Favorite Lies and I also checked out Crutch. Um, Sonic Boom has those two tracks on it plus three um, new tracks. Did you guys have the new tracks done um, after Favorite Lies, or was everything kind of done together? And every you guys just everything was every, everything was kind of done together. Oh, you know, okay. it was it was it was the way it worked was um, you know speaking of remote songwriting. Uh, Ricky's in, in Utah, um, Utah, I'm in Nashville, the guys, the, the other two guys are in Oklahoma City. Mm. And so, you know, it was it was a lot of, you know, virtual, you know, Ricky sent a guitar riff for Crutch. I wrote some lyrics over it, sent it to the guys. Do you like this? John kind of messed around with the drum beat. Then, you know, Ricky, Jesse sent me the idea for Favorite Lies. Um, there's a song on the EP called Ghost of an Angel. That was kind of an idea I started, sent it to the guys. You know, with Crutch, I, I sent this one lyric. Uh, Ricky wasn't crazy about it, and he, he, you know, and thankfully he didn't hold back. You know, because uh, I <laughs> love that kind of, I love that kind of honesty and feedback. Right. So, um, so we went back and forth and back and forth, and it took a while. You know, it would have been a lot, you know, a lot better if we could have all just been in a jam space for two weeks and mm-hmm. and banged it out. But we, that's just not the reality. You know, um, we couldn't, we could, we could not do that. So, we did hook back up. After the songs were all sort of loosely compiled, mm-hmm. um, we, we met back up in Oklahoma City uh, before we were going to go do some dates. And we, we banged out for a couple days to do arrangements and song structure and wait, let's slow this one down at the end and, and let's add a big ending on this one. Or, you know, should this one have a you know, longer intro or whatever? Um, and that, that was good. I don't know that you could truly put, put something like this together and it'd be cohesive without a little bit of time to sort right. of bang away at each other and, and fight a little bit you know <laughs> right. and claw and um but yeah it, it's um it took a while but over the course of probably what has amounted to a, a year or so 
uh, we were able to record um, on all different places those five songs. Additionally, we re- we went in and re-recorded um, Sister Wire and uh, Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. uh, and the reasoning there is sort of a business reason because we've been approached about, hey, can we put Sister in this film? Uh, someone approached me five, six years ago and I said, oh yeah, for sure, contact our old label, you know, Universal mm-hmm. MCA. Right. Mm. And they, ne- they never they never really responded because they don't, they don't care about a 1995 title, you know, uh, from the Nixons, but I do, you know, yeah. and, and I, want, yeah. I want my music to be out there, so a lot of bands do it these days. They go back in and they re-record their songs. And you guys should go listen to it. It's 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 everywhere. It's on Spotify. It's called Sister 2020. Oh, and it's yeah. been fun. It's it's been pretty fun to get to hear the response because people are like, you know, the, on social media, I I may, maybe for better or worse said, tell us what you think. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, you you guys know how the internet is. Right. It's like right. Um, it's like uh, I like the old version better. It has more heart. It has more feel and. You know, you the, the answer. I answered that person. I probably shouldn't engage. But I'm like, I appreciate your, I appreciate your input, and and you're probably onto something. I mean, I I actually thoroughly had a blast redoing it, listening to that old, yeah. you know, 23 year old uh, vocalist uh, in, in the 90s, right? Being influenced by what was out at that time. You know, here, you know, going and and, and he, you know, watching per- Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and and working with the producer that had just come off the out producing Alice in Chains when we went in with him, uh, oh, Toby okay. Wright. Um, you know, you, you, that stuff, you know, that has to hit you in the gut in a different way when you're, you know, at the beginning of your career. So in some ways, I don't know if, if I would hundred percent agree that it, it quote has more heart, the original version, because I really love this new version just because we got to redo these songs that were so important to, yeah. to right. our career. So, um, so yeah, so so in all in all, we've got some you know new material and some old new material. How does that all work? Cool. Do you have do you have to change enough of the song for it to become a different to say that's a different song or or no, not at all, not at all. You the, just the, have the, to re-record it in order for it to be yours, right? The yeah. the the original version of Sister, um, and I actually did go through the legal sort of rigmarole right. of of contacting Universal legal it took me a month to get to the right person and i was like hey can i have that back can i have can i own my masters again and they almost i think actually laughed out loud um, and said no contractually we own them for you know many many years but you know uh, as you probably know you can re-record them after a certain amount of time i think it was seven years um, from release you can go back in and re-record your songs and then i own that master so if you guys go listen to sister 2020 and just say it gets put into a film or into a a, a commercial or whatever that's that's ours and so um we own that mastered record we own it's called we the master we own that master nice we don't own the old master the original sister that that you would hear on you know on spotify over the last several years although the new versions on spotify not too that song makes me reminisce back to the back to when i was younger (laughs) Thank you so much. That's nice of you. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, no problem. I wanted to talk about the um, Songwriters uh, Festival in uh, Oklahoma. That's something that you are involved in. Did that happen uh, this year, or is that still going on? Has it been postponed because of the Rona? It has been. It, it, it has been postponed. We should have been there two weeks ago. Mm, okay. um, and uh, unfortunately, it was going to be a pretty good one. We had... Uh, 
Desmond Child, who wrote Living on a Prayer and other oh, nice. hits. We had a, another guy named Chris Tompkins, who wrote a bunch of country hits. Uh, and then Ashley Campbell, daughter of Glenn Campbell. Oh, um, wow. And it, it would have been year five. It would have been awesome. Um, we're, we're talking to state officials back in Oklahoma. The concept is we bring in these Nashville songwriters. Um, we do some songwriting, some panels, a couple smoothie dinners. And then we do a big show on Saturday night, which is, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Bluebird in Nashville, but no. you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a songwriter room. You, you walk in, you see four bar stools and, and four people get up and, and you, you start you know, with Desmond. He sings Living on a Prayer. I sing my Carrie Underwood song. Chris Tompkins sings his, you know, Lady Antebellum song, whatever. Mm. And, and then you go another round and another round and another round. They're called Rider Rounds. Oh, okay. and, um, awesome. and yeah, so uh, we, we had to, we had to uh, can't postpone is what I'll say, although you know, it might end up having to be something that's done virtually. I just don't know yet, Mm -hmm. but, um, but we're, you know, we're hopeful we can still do something. We'll see. That's nice. Cause it's such, it's such a neat, it's just a cool concept. And, and I, I like the idea of artists, you know, writers singing what they wrote and then kind of maybe giving like a little bit of a backstory or somewhat, you know, um, talking about the inspiration and stuff. Yeah, that's the whole thing that I love. It's it's so cool to, you know, I, I soak up the stories too. You know, I, I I remember doing a ride around and it was the guy that wrote the song called Live Like You Were Dying. And I got to sit there and mm, hear the story of how that song came to be. And um it's it's great. I love I love that, you know, how how the song came into the universe is is an in, intriguing and interesting thing to me. And um and then yeah, to tell the stories behind some of my songs is is fun too. It was basically a bunch of poets getting together. Right. Yeah, I like to say it's it's uh, you know songwriting and storytelling is yeah. what happens yeah. on those on those nights. I think I saw something on uh, television where Duff McKagan from GNR he kind of did that where he had his book and he was playing music and you know talking about reading excerpts from his book and I'm just like that's that's kind of an interesting concept. I heard some of that too. I found it. I found that to be super intriguing yeah. too. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Now, you are you still um, a fan of uh, the uh, Gibson Les Paul? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I don't play on stage. I don't play anything other than that. Ha, was that your first guitar starting starting out? Oh no, 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 no. Um, we, you know, the first the first um, first guitar I bought. Oh my God, it was a crappy. <laughs> ovation acoustic guitar um which is awful to admit but um <laughs> but um but no we you know i had maybe a beat up pawn shop les paul mm. was my first electric guitar that was probably really cheap and then um just kind of banged away you know with with as best as good a gear as we could afford you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I always tell the story that when we got signed, the first stop was we went and met with a booking agent and, and made that decision. The next stop for us was at Gibson in L.A. Oh, and, nice. um, to, to, we signed a deal with them. I signed a deal with Marshall. Um, and so I've always um, ascribed to the Slash school of, mm. of guitar, which is oh God, uh, he, yeah. he actually told me once we, we did some dates with Slash's Snake Pit a oh, long, okay. long time ago. And he actually said. Uh, Wawa pedal, tuner pedal, right into the right into the amp, and that's it. And that's you know minus the wall, which I use occasionally, but but mainly I'm just yeah, I'm just it's Les Paul into a Marshall amp. That's cool. Yeah, I um I'm a fan. I've 
I have, I tried to play guitar once a long, long, long time ago, and I realized I, it wasn't my thing, I, um, but I do think Les Pauls are beautiful, and I love their sound, because to me, it's more of a bluesy rock, kind of a blues rock kind of sound. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan, too. Did you buy your first one, or was it gifted? Uh, I bought, I, um, my, my, so, so the, the, really the story about guitar for me is that, you know, the Nixon started. And I didn't really play guitar. Okay. Um, I wasn't I wasn't one of those kids in the bedroom growing mm, up. Gotcha. Right. Did you, I was I was not. I was in the Nixons. We had started um, and ev- eventually got a little more sophisticated, right? So mm-hmm. that we're saying, um, okay, we really need to add another guitar part here, um, but we don't want to hire someone because we don't want to pay someone more money. And right. so, um, so Zach learned these three bar chords and, okay. and it, it, it was pretty, probably pretty awful at, at first, but eventually, you know, I play on probably 60, 70% of the, the set list now. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah. And so when you, when you asked bought or gifted, nah, I wasn't that guy that, that, you know, uncle, you know, my uncle gave me one or handed down, hand me down one. I worked at a music store while I was in college oh, a part-time okay. job so I could get gear cheaper okay. and um and so yeah bought you know a crappy little amp and and I think again I think it was probably a knockoff Les Paul of some sort maybe an Epiphone mm, and um mm-hmm. and then just like I said you know slowly but surely worked our way up we did care about the live show and that meant not just how we looked and how we you know the energy we put into it but how we sounded and so mm-hmm. we all we were always pretty pretty um serious about making sure our gear was you know was was as good as we could afford. Right. Did you have you always been a singer though? Yeah. 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 I mean, in high school, I was in a little rock band. Um, just you know, nothing serious. Played the Fourth of July at the picnic at the park, and oh, you know, nice. played for the uh, when we were in high school, we played for the middle school at some assembly, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. but it was just for fun. College, we got we, I, we did another band. That, yes, I was the singer, mm. and that was you know just for fun too. Then it ended up being, Oh, we can actually make a little bit of money and then, Oh, we can write songs. And it just, you know, it was just the, the slow build, but it was um, probably the best way for us because we put in the hours yeah. you know, we played, we played everywhere that would have us and, and uh, for no money sometimes and, and just did it, did it to, to me, we did it the right way. Right. Right. Yeah. You guys played over 3000 3,000 shows, I think I saw in an article. Well, I know you guys played a lot of shows and we, wish... we played a lot of shows. Yeah. The, the stat that we always talk about is that for, you know, a couple stretches in the mid middle of the, the run in the nineties, we, we were out for about 300 days out of a year. That mm. wasn't 300 necessarily 300 shows, but we were out for 300 gotcha. days and we did play a lot. I mean, we were the kind of band that, you know, we, we, you know, we had a couple alternative rock hits, but we we made our money and earned our stripes playing. You know, yeah. and, and and working our way up to okay, now we're at a thousand seaters. Okay, now we're at fifteen hundred. Um, so yeah, that was it was an important yeah. thing. The live show was really truly an important crucial part of our our life as a band. Plus, you got to play with Kiss. Yeah, I we mean, did get to open for Kiss. Did yep. you, did you like cool. did you like fanboy out at all with them? Well, stuff. I'm going to disappoint you once again and tell you that while John is the biggest Kiss fan, I believe, I, I would argue, that is alive, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has a Kiss pinball machine, for God's oh, sakes, okay. and, and I, all this memorabilia. He's a massive, massive Kiss fan. I really wasn't growing up. I, that wasn't, you know, I didn't have the lunchbox and I didn't, I wasn't in the Kiss army. 
Um, but I will tell you this, that when we went out with them mm-hmm. um, to see the show they put on, I, I became a fan immediately. Um, say whatever you want about the music, if you like right. it or you don't like it. Their show is, it was inspiring to us because even though we didn't have the same kind of theatrics, we did try to put that kind of show on, you know, like there were plenty of bands that were sort of, as I think Gene Simmons even said himself, that were shoegazers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they just stared at the floor. Yeah. That was never going <laughs> to, that, that wasn't us before we went, we toured with Kiss and it, and it, and, and it was even us less after we toured with Kiss because, you know, and by the way, we've also played shows with, you know, bands like Aerosmith that put on an amazing show. Nice. Um, you know, we did a tour with Soul Asylum and, and Radiohead. And yeah, didn't Radiohead, you do the Melvins? We've played, we played some festivals with the Melvins. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, all those shows, um, I loved all that stuff. You know, I mean, it just was never our bag to just stand there. Yeah. Didn't you break your foot or something during a performance? I, I definitely, yes. I, 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 I broke um, an cracked my ankle at one point i i broke my um two fingers on my oh that's right my my right hand once upon a time that luckily one of our biggest fans is a doctor in dallas and he was in the mosh pit (laughs) thank god so he he reset it and then took me to his 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 office and and we he kind of fixed me up a little bit but um yeah it's you know I, i i will tell you this that more so now um, the next morning soreness is a oh, real thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think John yeah. might've been telling us that story about yeah. the, the hand breaking. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he did tell us that story. Yeah. Bang over yep. and, and the day after is a, is a very real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing, man. So if, um, if you didn't get into music to your, till, you know, a little bit later in life, you know, what was your, what really got you into music then? Who did you listen to when you were younger? I mean, I was a, I was a, you know, a fan of music like everyone. I vividly remember discovering Led Zeppelin, okay. uh, but never saying, you know, that's that's oh, what I, I want to do. Yeah, exactly. No, it was like, you know, it was very, you know, I loved Van Halen. You know, I that was my first concert. You know, snuck out, went to, you know, from my small town Oklahoma to Dallas to see Van Halen. Nice. Um, went and saw Motley Crue back in the day. You know, I loved rock and roll. I also am from a small town, as I mentioned in, in Oklahoma, that, yeah. that we had one radio station okay. that played that played everything. Oh, nice! Like they would play Kenny Rogers, The Gambler, and then the next song was, you know, Stevie Wonder, and then the next <laughs> song was Led Zeppelin. Oh, right. Cool. I tell people a lot that I think that probably did something to me because I. I really can sit down and listen to really anything. I yeah. mean, you you put on Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin, I'm in. I'll, I'll get through the whole damn thing. And and by the way, you know, back to Kenny Rogers, I know every word of Coward of the County <laughs> and The Gambler. I mean, so I love that song. To answer your question, I was a music fan. I loved music. Um, I was actually, you know, uh, I studied music in college for a couple years when I very first went. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I was classically trained, um, but but then very quickly gave it up, grew my hair, learned some replacement songs, REM songs, and and started playing at, at parties and, and bars in Norman uh, at the University of Oklahoma. Um, and then again, it just grew into this thing of me going, oh, okay, this is a this could be a real thing. This could be a real job. Now your parents were rock like rockers too, aren't they? Or they what kind of shows did they go? I know they. You said there was an article or something. You said that they were. You could see them in the audience at a Kiss concert at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That, that that's 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 it's so so great you brought that up because it's not 
they are definitely not very rocking. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I love them. I, I love them to death. But my dad is an engineer. He did play drums actually oh, uh, right. in, in bands when he was younger. Um, my mom's a huge fan of music. My grandfather, my mother's father, played country music. Played All at right. the Grand Ole Opry. Really? So played at the Grand Ole Opry. So, Which yeah, that, that's they're, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's music in my blood, but my parents. Um, you know, the, the reason I bring that, that sto- the reason you've heard that story is I've, I've talked about it in interviews before, because it's just hilarious to me because they flew to see their son play at Madison All Square right. Garden okay. in New York. And so months later, Kiss released this, like, I can't remember what it was, maybe a live DVD yeah, of probably. like selected shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll never forget it. Like, um, John's watching it and he's like, I, I walk into the bus and John's watching. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Rewind it. And he rewound it. We put it in slow motion. And there are two middle-aged Oklahoma uh, people standing, you know, with their arms up in the air to their credit, wearing Nixon's t-shirts nice. um, right, right in the middle of Madison Square Garden. And that was nice. my mom and mom and pop. So oh, they awesome. were, they, they were not rocking, but they were very, very supportive of me. Definitely Aww, your number cool. one fans right there. Aren't they? Yeah, man, it was awesome. That is awesome. Um, on a different note, you are a blogger. So when, um, how, what made you decide to blog, and when did you kind of I start did doing read, that? I, I read a whole bunch of them too. They're really good. Yeah, they are very. Oh good. man, thank you so much. I, I have to tell you, I haven't done them in a while. I think that energy uh, was out of boredom, and now <laughs> I'm, I sit, I sit, and you know, want to work on Nixon stuff, and so I'm, I'm constantly with my downtime working on you know, um, approving and, you know, uh, new, uh, album cover videos for the next show, right. uh, that kind of stuff. But, um, but I, I, I love, um, I don't know, this is going to make me sound nerdy, but I, I just love the written word. I'm a huge fan of Kurt Vonnegut. Um, our first album was a, a, a word invented by Kurt Vonnegut. I got to meet Kurt Vonnegut. Who's the kind of my favorite. I, I read, like voraciously as a kid and even on the tour bus i was the nerdy guy while the guys were playing you know sega or whatever i was reading um and so i I contend that people that read a lot if if they've got any sort of you know adeptness at writing that they're they're going to be at least moderately interesting um you know and and i've always kept journals and i've always written when this whole concept of what a blog even was right um popped up years ago i i did a few of them uh, again, sort of, sort of have it in a while. And, and in fact, have one that I'm going to post soon. Um, and, uh, which you can just go find it's, I have a website, zachmalloy.com that has all my production and and stuff like that. But, um, I appreciate you saying that I, I enjoy writing. I love, I love that sort of the tricks that you can play with writing that, that, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Kurt Vonnegut or Tom Robbins, but to me, they're just hyper intelligent and funny as hell. Yeah, I'll have to check them out. I, it's they're very familiar, but I'll have to uh, I'll have to check them out because I like to read too. So it's it's an art form to be a descriptive storyteller. Mm-hmm. For sure, I'm not very sure. good at it, so I know that it's a talent. <laughs> <laughs> so Sonic Boom, you can pre-order it. Are you guys just for right now doing it in like a download streaming format, or are you going to have physical copies? We we are. It's it's being released next week, uh, the twenty second. This week, uh, it's being released, yeah, um, digitally, but we are actually getting ready to announce that it will be available on vinyl as well. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, the process of vinyl is a little bit different, so yeah. we sort of, we wanted to get it out to people because, to be honest with you, it's kind of been done. 
for a while, but we didn't have the the platform quite yet figured mm. out for how we wanted to release it. And then we partnered with this group called Intercept Music, which is a, a really great um, uh, entity for for um, helping market your music and get get your music out there. And they've been amazing to us. And so once that fell into place, we set a date, and I wanted to get this thing out to our fans, um, especially now with COVID. You know, I want oh, I mean, yeah. we've been we've been trying to provide people with content. You know, whether it's we did a couple of those little four square you know, mm, videos mm-hmm. of us playing at yeah. home. And um, so, yeah, it's it, it will be available later in the year. Uh, well, more like probably end of the summer oh, on okay. vinyl. Okay. Oh, is there gonna is there gonna be a opportunity to do like a limited edition, uh, like ones that you can sign for the fans too? We are doing that. The cool. first one hundred are going to be sold for a slightly higher price, and um, and they'll be autographed and numbered, so you can oh. get the first one hundred. You know, the, the, they'll have a little number and, and our autograph. Oh, I, might, nice. I might have to jump Very on cool. that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Love it. Would you say uh, your website and the Nixons website were probably the best two best places to go if anybody wants to find out more about the Nixons or yourself? Yeah, for sure. All the social media, we're pretty good at it. We're not great, but we're pretty good at you know um, keeping people uh, you know up to date on what's going on. I also say that that um, a lot of fans have been telling me that they're enjoying our YouTube channel. We didn't have a YouTube channel when we went sort of dark right. for all those mm-hmm. years. Um, and so when we came back, I was, I was talking to a friend in the business and, and he randomly asked me one day, he's like, ah, oh, it's so cool. The Nixons are back. He's like, can you, are you guys, did, is your YouTube channel more active now? And I was like, we don't have a YouTube <laughs> right. channel. So, so we set one up and, and I have to tell you that I'm real proud of it. I'm, I'm, um, you know, we we post some cool stuff on there, stuff that probably not a lot of people have seen. I mean, there, there was actually a video that, that didn't get played a whole heck of a lot, um, uh, on MTV, I think it got played twice on 120 minutes right. um, for the song for the song Head, and I love that video. There's a video for Happy Song that was also played a little bit more, but not a lot right. for Happy Song, um, which I love that video. And then there are videos for Crutch, uh, videos for Favorite Lies. Probably mm. people, more people have seen those than than um, than some of the even the older things. But right. we're also will be releasing a video for Ghost of an Angel. Oh, okay. The next the next official single, um, Friday. Oh, nice. Yeah, we we definitely need to jump on that YouTube bandwagon. Yeah, I've been putting it subscribe. off and putting it off. It's it's time to get on there. Yeah, I will definitely <laughs> subscribe for sure. Go and subscribe, y'all. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we really awesome. appreciate you coming yeah, on and taking I, your time out fun. to talk to us. I appreciate you guys helping us get the word out about all this stuff and um, y'all be safe and be good. Oh yeah, for sure. I hope if you guys, you know, are going to get on the road that you make a stop in Michigan. Cause I would, I would love to see the Nixons perform. That would be so much fun. Well, I have to say that like there are certain pockets of, of the country that, you know, people ask me, you know, where, where were your best spots? And, you know, obviously Oklahoma, Texas, but mm-hmm. you know, we had a crazy weird uh, connection with, Boston, um, South Florida, and Detroit. Okay. Detroit. It was awesome. amazing. We were in Detroit one night, and uh, it was hell night in the in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, dude, it was so. Um, what's the word? Like, it it, it left such a um, indelible mark on me, and, yeah. and and kind of in a in a scary way, but also in a visually <laughs> stunning way. That it's something that I didn't think. I would ever lay eyes on, which was cars on fire. Oh and, yeah, you know, yeah. It was really, really interesting. And then fast forward to we had a show at St. Andrews that was mm, sold out, mm-hmm. and it was an amazing show. 
Then two years later, we went back to Detroit and we played a show with a band. This will be a, 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 a real deep cut for people probably won't know, but a band called Four Squirrels. It's kind of a weird story, but this band, Four Squirrels, right before we played a, a, a run with them, they lost mm-hmm. a couple of band members in a, oh, in a, in a pretty, pretty brutal van oh crash. Gosh. And wow. so the remaining members were going to sort of, you know, power through and, and finish the tour. And they played this show with us at, at back at St. Andrews and something weird happened. Like the power went out and they kept on playing. And I remember the crowd being really quiet and listening. Um, so again, I just have these weird Detroit moments in my brain that are just forever burned well, with hell night sort of probably literally, but, um, but, uh, and, and then again, going back and working with cracker, um, here, all here and here's all amazing stories. Then the funny thing is that then I'm out with, I'm out with sponge at the end of last year mm-hmm. and Vinny, I told Vinny those stories and he was just like, we hit it off. Vinny and I, the singer for sponge, oh, yeah. we hit it off. He came down to Nashville, like, um, three weeks after the tour and we wrote a song together just you know that i think is going to be on the next sponge record and um oh, cool so yeah so i i love detroit my connections run pretty actually weirdly kind of fairly deep in detroit <laughs> well that, that's well, good to hear i gotta sure. say there's not too many car fires now They've, yeah that's yeah. kind of gone away <laughs> I, I was trying to describe it to my kids i have i have teenage kids and i was trying to describe what what hell night was and probably even my version of it you know, whatever yeah. that would have been in the mid nineties, that was probably even less than like, you know, the seventies the and eighties where I, I had heard stories of how, oh, how yeah. crazy yeah. it was and it, it kind of nationwide, but especially in certain cities. And if you like go, you know, Wikipedia hell night, I think probably Detroit's one of the main ones that they talk about just because it was such oh, yeah, a, a big sure. deal. But, um, but nah, it was, it, I, I love y'all up there in Detroit. So um, we'll, oh, cool. we'll get back up there for sure. All right. We well, look forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Zach. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for taking the time. No problem. Thank you. Take it easy. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.